Download Adam Sank's last comedy album on Amazon, iTunes, or Google Play. We're already in the shower together. <laughs> the risk has been taken. If I don't blow you, the risk will have been for nothing. Warning. The program you're about to hear contains highly offensive and indecent material. Ryan, pull down your pants. <laughs> JB, you start sucking. The host, a comedian of questionable talent, speaks incessantly on topics of a sexual and scatological nature. I will fuck you, but I will not eat you. I want that fucking dick down my throat while I'm dicking him down. I hope my mother's listening. Your ass became a rosebud? Yeah, that's because I got dicked down real good. <laughs> he asks questions of his celebrity guests that are highly inappropriate and rude. Which of you has a bigger penis? Oh, that's a good one. That's a fun, good one. Going down on the clitoris? Oh, yes. Oh, I like where you're going with this. For some reason, the word strap-on just comes right out of my mouth, Bianca. Yeah, you said come and strap-on at the same time. And he cannot stop talking about his buttocks. I think your butt is telling you, no mas, por favor. (laughs) This is the Adam Sank Show. If it's in my hand, I'm going to suck it. Powered by DNR Studios. (laughs) And now... The one, the only... You've been warned repeatedly. If you keep on listening to this filth, you'll be put on a government list. Hush, Simon. Hush, puppy. They've made their choice. Let them listen. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Adam Sank Show. We are coming at you live. If you're listening at 11 a.m. Eastern on Saturday, January 25th, 2020 at DNRstudios.com, the only place to hear this podcast live and throughout the wing that it first airs. Leave us your ratings and reviews on iTunes or wherever else you listen to this podcast. Email me. Me at Adam at AdamSank.com. I've been getting a lot of emails lately, and they're not all positive, but I love getting them regardless. So if you're someone who's never called the show and you've never sent me an email, send me an email. Let me know who you are, where you are, what do you think, what your dick looks like, etc. Like our Facebook page, download the comedy albums, check out my newly redesigned website at AdamSank.com. I'm very proud of it. And if you're listening live, if you're one of the three people who listens live, give us a call and chat with us at 844 844- Eight two five five three six seven. Hey, coming soon. I'm going to be in Oakland, California, on a stage. I, I'm momentarily coming back out of retirement to be the celebrity MC of Elder Pride 2020 at the gala on February 15th. So visit the Elder Pride 2020 Facebook page for more information and tickets. Today, we have uh, one of my favorite guests is coming back on the show. She is Rachel Butera, master impressionist. If anyone listens to the Howard Stern show, you will know her well. But she's also been on this show, as I said. So she'll be talking to us later. But first, that plummy British accent that you heard at the top of the hour was none other than our announcer and my guest co-host today, Mr. Simon Mathis. Hello. It's, Hi, it's me. I'm live. I'm not pre-recorded. I'm here in this wet New York morning. But luckily, it's dry in here and not as cold as we had been warned that it might be. No, I'm, I'm wearing 14 layers because you said, no, it's cold, no heating. <laughs> It'll be like a Dickensian Christmas. Yes, Romaine sent out a, a 
company-wide email that there would be no heat in the studio this weekend. But so far, I feel toasty. So all is well. Simon, you recently came back from your, uh, from your homeland. I did. I returned home. For, I, I popped back to the UK for my grandmother's 90th birthday. That's lovely. Yes. I didn't get to go home this Christmas so, for the holidays, so I did a little January trip, which is nice. It's like going back for Christmas, but without any of the colourful lights, the decorations, or the presents. <laughs> so just the dark, grey stuff of London. Exactly. Yeah. Is, is everyone there talking about Megxit? Is everyone up in arms or does no one care? It, it was actually insane. The amount of press and news reporting about it makes you completely understand why they want to leave. Yeah. Because, I mean, I mean how many people work for their grandmother? And how many people have to ask their grandmother's permission on what they're going to do? Come on, wife, let's go and ask the grandmother if we can leave the country. It's, it's kind of insane. And, and the attitude people have there towards the monarchy is very hit and miss. There's a huge amount of resentment about having to pay for a monarchy, but there's also a huge amount of expectation on what members of the royal family should do. Well, and it pays for itself. I mean, let's face it. They're one of the biggest tourist attractions in the country. There are people who fly to, to England simply because they want to see Buckingham Palace. They want to watch the, ch the changing of the guard. I guess you could have that without the actual family, but, you know. I mean, the cost the costs are always a discussion about the royal family. I mean, if, the thing is, if you had the, if, if the royal family were removed tomorrow, you would still be paying for the upkeep of the palaces and the castles. Right. Their historic buildings, their historic sites. And essentially, if you remove the royal family, you would have to put in a replacement. There has to be a person at the top. So then right. we have You're, a president. You have a constitutional monarchy the, that has the, to be a sovereign. The amount that the US spends on presidential elections every four years is insane. We mm -hmm. don't do that. We just keep them there locked in a cage for their lives and I give them no choice until we get a little tired of them every hundred years or so and then we execute them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's handy. I mean, it's, it's always worth knowing. You can do that. I mean, France did it twice. There you go. Well, um, thank you for that fascinating take on, uh, on the royals. <laughs> I have an important announcement to make. This stupid show, The Adam Sank Show, is very close to reaching a milestone. We are within striking distance of 100,000 downloads wow. since the show first launched. And uh, I'm very proud of this, and I'll tell you why. That does not count anyone who listens on a player, on an audio player. So for instance, you Derek and Romaine subscribers, DNR Studio subscribers, I love you, God bless you, thank you for subscribing, but every time you listen, it doesn't count as a download. It's only the people who listen for free and download the episode onto their their device where we I We are get not it. saying cancel your subscription. Do not cancel your Do subscription. Cancel. We love you, but you don't count. I'd no, I'd rather have the subscriptions than the hits, but that's 100,000 times that it's been downloaded, not counting any of the times someone's listened on a player. So, And is, is that, do you know if that's new people listening or each time, or is that just you listening no, to yourself not, on repeat? It, it's not, <laughs> you fucking cunt. It is not me listening on repeat. Although I do listen, occasionally I'll go back and listen to an old episode, uh, and I'm always amazed by how much I enjoy it. Yeah, I, I enjoy it's it too. It's, fucking it's one of those things I, I listen to in work. It's, um, it's good when accounting time comes. I yeah, appreciate yeah. it. I well, actually also listen to us too, where I, I Okay, so days when I check or I'm wait when I wake up early enough, and I was like, oh, I should check see if the players play the actual show that we pre-record. And I just I wish you did that every time. <laughs> I wish I did that every time too. You're not, you're not wrong. It's you're not it's wrong. your job. Do you find when you go back and listen?
listen to it, you're like, oh, I don't remember saying. I don't remember anything. You know, when I'm a huge Howard Stern fan, and he always says, I don't remember a single thing I said as soon as I go off the air. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of the same. Like, I'll remember that we did certain topics, and sometimes I'll think like, oh, that didn't go well, or that interview didn't go well. And then I'll listen to it, and I'm like, you know what? It's really not that bad. Sometimes, like, I'm funnier than I thought. I'm I'm hilarious. Oh, no. We have so many stories to do, and we've been bullshitting for 10 minutes. So (laughs) let me get right to it. The first one is not even on the rundown, because it's breaking news. It broke as I was leaving my office yesterday, and we had because we talked about it at the time, we needed to update you. Porn star Austin Wolf has broken his silence and broken a few people's assholes. Uh, Back in 2018, you'll remember, he made international headlines when he posted a video to his Twitter of himself and a flight attendant fucking in an airport bathroom, uh, excuse me, an airplane bathroom Uh, mid-flight. The flight attendant was fired, and there was a huge uproar over the fact that this had happened with a flight attendant, and, uh, you know, the airline was, was not happy. It was Delta. And so he removed the video right away, but it was already out there. It had been downloaded and screenshotted and so forth. Well, uh, now he is saying, uh, Austin Wolf is telling Instant Magazine, quote, it was the flight attendant's idea to have sex in the airport bathroom. I think he got caught up in the moment. We've all heard of the Mile High Club. I don't think it was that big of a deal. He knew who I was. Wolf added that the steward was fully aware he was being videotaped. One of the things at the time was people were saying, oh, this is so wrong because this guy didn't know. Wolf says, quote, he knew I was recording it. I had a very large phone in my very large hand in a very small space, and it was in his face. It wasn't like I had a secret 007 camera in a button. But here's what's interesting. He didn't post the video right away. He didn't like the video. He felt that the this is Austin. He he felt the quality of it was subpar because he normally records in a much bigger space where he can light it properly. And I don't even understand how two people fuck in an airport airport bathroom. There's airplane bathroom. It's so tiny. I you can barely turn around in it. Yeah, but when people have sex, they tend to be quite close. But if you look at the video, it looks like a giant bathroom. Maybe it was a first class bathroom. But anyway, he didn't like the quality of it, so he just didn't post it. But then months passed. And Austin has a policy of posting new content every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday without fail. And one day he just didn't have a new one to post. So he's like, oh, I'll just post this. And then, of course, it went viral. He said, quote, three fucking hours it was up. I got messages from flight attendants and porn stars who used to be flight attendants. (laughs) There's apparently a a large overlap there. Some of them reached out to me and told me because of the the uniform and the name tag, they knew who it was right away. And I apologized. Wolf is not banned from flying Delta, but he jokes I should refrain from using their bathrooms. Now I won't even look at a flight attendant unless it's a 60-year-old woman. (laughs) So there you have it. I, has anyone in this room ever had sex on an airplane? No, I can't afford them. <laughs> <laughs> Way to bring down the show. Simon? No comment. Really? <laughs> wow. That's a yes, ladies and gentlemen, for those who didn't get the hint. Yeah, the I'm week. impressed. Yeah. I've had sex in an airplane. Port bathroom, which, which is, is why I keep saying I have that. never been into an airport bathroom that is clean or fresh. It was fine. To- I mean, I just got a blowjob. It wasn't like I was on my hands and knees on the floor. They were. Uh, yes. <laughs> Good point. All right. In a much more serious and important story, <clears throat> gay conversion therapy. We talk about it a lot on this show. It's the hideous practice of 
trying to turn queer people straight, which, of course, is impossible. It's been banned in a number of states, and the latest state to ban it will come as a surprise to you. It's Utah. Utah is now the 19th state to prohibit the practice of conversion therapy for LGBTQ children. Uh, this was a, a, a huge victory for queer people in the state, and of course it was met with great opposition by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, a.k.a. Mormons, who are big fans of conversion therapy. But what happened was they, they allowed for a loophole in the bill, which is that if you are a professional psychologist, therapist, you may not use conversion therapy. But if you're just like a church counselor or a church advisor, in other words, you're not a professional, you can do whatever the fuck you want. So it gives the church a loophole, and that's terrible, but it's also very hard to legislate against what goes on within a church. You know, if you'd have to prove actual abuse is happening and and get that child taken away from their parents. And I mean, that should happen in one of these situations. But this still is a huge step forward because what it does is it makes a statement to the church and all the Mormons living in Utah and everyone living in Utah that this is cruel, it's ineffective, it doesn't work, and it shouldn't happen. And so I think it's, a, it's an important milestone. And the suggestion here is that this becomes the gold standard. This is, it's, it, the concept is it is illegal. So even if you're doing it as an amateur, especially if you're doing something as an amateur, then you go, a professional wouldn't do this. That's right. Why are you? That's right. So good for, good for Utah. And, you know, Utah is an ultra-conservative state. It's one of the reddest states uh, in the country. But it's an interesting state because, like, they're not big Trump fans. They're sort of Mitt Romney Mormons, um, as, as he is also a Mitt Romney. <laughs> he himself is a Mitt Romney Mormon. I think he they, may just be a Mormon then. They tend to be quiet and moderate, and they, you know, they're appalled by Donald Trump, as they should be. Meanwhile, in New Jersey, another victory. I'm so proud of my home state. Uh, we, we finally have a, a Democrat as governor, Phil Murphy, um, now that, um, what's his face? That fat shit. What's his name? Christie. Christie's gone. Um, governor Phil Murphy has signed legislation making New Jersey the ninth state to ban the use of the so-called gay panic and trans panic legal defenses. You know, as long as there's been a legal system in the United States, uh, there have been gay and trans people murdered indiscriminately, and it has been a perfectly legitimate defense in the courts for someone to say, I, I thought that he was coming on to me, so I killed him. Or I thought that she was a cisgender woman, but she turned out to be a trans woman, so I killed her and I panicked. This defense has been used with mixed results. It doesn't always work, but, but many times people have gotten a lighter sentence or they've just gotten off because they claim that they were in such a state of insanity driven to, to this point by, by someone else's queerness that they weren't in their right mind. And New Jersey now says that's bullshit. Under this law, a defendant would be prohibited from using a victim's actual or perceived gender identity or expression or sexual orientation as a heat of passion defense to murder in the New Jersey courts. Um, Murphy said in a statement, we, we will always stand with our LGBTQ plus community and promote full equality for all of our residents. So go New Jersey. Where's the applause? <laughs> Thank you, Simon. Just Simon Cobbins. 
two hopeful stories this week. Yeah. At a time when there seems to be very little hope in the world and in this country, you know, there's still good people out there trying to do good things and they should inspire all of us to take action and fix the things that we, we have the power to fix. I think especially things that I mean, we, I mean, th- th- that's stuff that we can relate to and we can see because it's kind of there, but for the grace of anyone go I anyone with a religious upbringing could have been sent to gay therapy or anyone with conservative parents or literally any hookup could turn into uh, someone freaking out because you don't know. Exactly. Well, now we turn to Simon for our RuPaul's Drag Race update. And I have to tell you, this is not the week for Ryan to be missing because Ryan would have killed to be here. There are multiple stories, including the most important story of the year. Simon, take it away. Shantae, you stay. So in fanatic Ryan's absence, we have me, a mediocre follower of RuPaul, here to let you know that season 12 has its premiere date and we now get to meet the new queens. Now, I could, I could say a lot about this, but I think we should jump over straight away to actually see what Ryan's reaction would have been if he had been here. Yes, we have that. Go ahead. Hey, Adam. Hey, Simon. Hey, JB. And hello, dearest kitty girls. I am so excited for a new season of Drag Race. It feels like years since we've had a regular season of the franchise. And this cast, this batch of divas that we're getting they're really fun they're really diverse well except that there are still no trans girls which a lot of the rue girls have gone to twitter to um point out uh and i think that you know it's time but i'm really excited for the five queens that are coming from new york we've got jan sport who unfortunately has to go by jan for trademark reasons and um, she was in the girl group Stephanie's Child, which is the premier drag girl group. Um, and then there's Britta Filter, who was in NYC GMC, I believe, for a season or two. Um, she's fantastic. She, unfortunately, has to go by just Britta because also trademark reasons. Uh, we have Sherry Pie, who's a fabulous entertainer. Nikki Dahl, who's a sickening look queen. And um, Jackie Cox, who's a comedian. She's fucking hilarious. So I'm really excited for those girls. And I'm excited, too, for some of the more unknown, um, what we would call regional queens, um, such as Jada Essence Hall from, I believe, Milwaukee. She's fantastic. Um, there's a lot of divas. I'm really excited. I can't wait to get into the season. Um, and I guess we won't get All Stars 5 until later this year? Question mark? Anyway, that's all for now. Miss you all. Hope you're uh, carrying on without me. I know that you live for my RuPaul updates, Adam. So here it is. All right. Bye. So the show premieres on Friday, February the 28th at 8 Eastern, 7 Central. Wow, I sound so American knowing that. That's, that's like know. really Good excellent. for you, Simon. And I, I mean, I could, I could pronounce all of the Queen's names, but Brian's done such a fantastic job. And to be honest, I'd torture I'm a lot sorry, of the I'm sorry I can't puns. turn the applause off, JB. No, no, no. I, I, I enjoy speaking over applause because I just feel like that's sort of <laughs> my home. I mean, it's like I've walked... Ah, oh, there we go. There it stopped. No, that sounds more familiar. So I, I would pronounce the Queen's names, but I would torture the puns and just make them sound um, terrible. People can go online if they want to see. And Ryan, Ryan really mentioned... Can. 
many of them. Now, what I did notice in my sort of gossip and fact-finding and things is uh, they'd, they'd already sort of hyped up All-Star Season 5, which actually premieres after Season 12. And some people are suggesting, is it because they don't have a huge amount of confidence in how well Season 12 is going to do? Interesting. So let's watch this space. What else is happening in the world of RuPaul? RuPaul is going to co-host SNL. Co-host? Co-host with Justin Bieber. Oh, I didn't realize he was... Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh. I, I thought he, she was the Oh, Justin Bieber is like... The, oh, that makes more sense. Okay, well, I mean, it's, it still seems like a hard ask to me to do anything with Justin Bieber, but, you know, many people are fans. So, um... So, yes, that's coming up. That will be on February the 8th. RuPaul sashays into New York City's Rockefeller Center to host Saturday Night Live for the first time. Um, I'm very excited. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. She once appeared on it a long time ago in full drag. Did kind of a cameo. Yeah, like as a cameo. I think that was, when was that? Quite a while ago. That was but a while this ago. I, I remember that episode. She was just... High about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it, I mean, it's always a good thing when they go onto this, when they've got stuff to promote and stuff like that. So she has things going on because the, um, the 10 part episode dramedy AJ and the queen is now on Netflix. I don't know if you've watched it. Yes. I haven't watched it yet. I have not yet. Ryan has feelings about it that he will share when he's back on the air with us. Yeah. God damn you, Ryan. <laughs> uh, and then, as we said, we season 12 of All Stars, season 5 of... Oh, sorry, season 5 of All Stars, season 12 of Regular Drag Race, Canada's Drag Race is coming up, and season 2 of RuPaul's Drag Race UK, which seemed very popular. I hadn't seen that yet either. Hugely because, popular. But it seems like that was a big popular one. So RuPaul's got I'm a lot sorry, of stuff going on, which is great. have seen RuPaul UK? Because it's not really available on anything that I think you don't to have pay BBC for. America it's on BBC America yeah, yeah. oh well. oh I guess I maybe I just don't care uh, <laughs> no 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 um I, I, no it's it's one I do want to watch it's not something that we've dedicated the time to yet we had the Witcher to get through and well the big question that. about Saturday Night Live is RuPaul has said many times that she will only show up in drag when she's paid for it and paid a lot SNL, as far as I know, they don't pay their hosts anything but scale because the hosts are there to promote something. So usually the production company will pay for their expenses and so forth. If RuPaul is just RuPaul, the man wearing a flashy suit, I don't think it's going to be very good. I am hoping and praying that she does. And, and because it's live, she can't switch back and forth. She's either in drag or she's not. And I'm hoping that she's in drag for the entire thing because I think there's just so many more comedic possibilities. What if she? Okay, so hear, hear me out. I I feel she might do this. Well, she pulls a half and half, half Mick, and the rest of half RuPaul. There's not enough time. But do, they do you know how much time it takes her to go, to do, transform? Do they pre-record any of the sketches? They do. They do. They do those little films and those music videos. So you're yeah, right. Yeah. She could do that, but. Um, I don't know. I want to see her come out for the monologue and drag. I just think she's funnier in drag. Yes, because otherwise funnier he's in drag. just a, a man being a bit bitchy. And, yeah. not, and not like, I don't know, male RuPaul is not that interesting. Okay, Simon, <laughs> you have one more story. We have one more story. Hundreds angry as RuPaul's DragCon UK turns ticket holders away. How terrible. People have bought dun, tickets. Dun, dun. They were standing in the cold asking on social media if this is the Queer Fire Festival. Um, and the story carries on and it carries on. This was held at um, Ken London's Kensington Olympia, which is a big venue. And basically there are a lot of people who all turned up at the same time and health and safety couldn't let them through because they had to let the 
the crowds clear. But it's crazy because they knew how many tickets they were selling. Why, yeah. So it sounds like they oversold it. That, well, that's the question. Have they oversold it? Did it just happen to be on that day? Did they overestimate how many people would turn up on the Friday? Because on Friday, most people are in work. So was it just bad planning or um, health and safety just being very strict on how things like, were going on? People, well, people were allowed in as time went on. But there was a point where it really got held up. So it's whether it's bad organization by the venue or whether they oversold the tickets. Simon, you lived in the UK before Drag Race. Was drag wildly popular there before or is it now as big as it is because of the show? No, drag, race, drag has always been popular in the UK. Hmm. I mean, there were, I mean, it's been a classic thing. You went back into... Um, into the 60s and you had Danny LaRue who was a very famous drag queen in the UK who used to do the circuits who I actually did a show with in like 2000 and something oh. rather when they were much older um, I mean there was always uh, Dame Edna who's uh, Australian right. um, Barry Humphreys um, Lily Savage was another another big drag but these performer. are all comedy queens the, right? the, but, but they are still full drag performers who had main stage television slots right. so drag is not that unknown and then when you actually get to the um the clubs and bars and things drag was always very popular the real difference is in the uk the drag queens sing live they really that lip syncing was unheard of in the uk hmm because it's just kind of like, and, and a lot of like British gays, like it's kind of like a faux talent. I agree. Well, okay. I, it's, you, it's, I, a, it's a different talent. I, but when you are in a bar or a, or a pub, someone lip syncing is really kind of boring, unless they're doing something hilariously comic with it. But actually to sing live in drag and be funny, suddenly that level of performance is much more engaging. Right. I, I feel like with lip syncing, my first exposure to, to, to drag on a large scale was when I moved to Atlanta after college. I lived in Atlanta for two years and drag was huge there and still is. And Charlie Brown's uh, cabaret was the upstairs of this giant um, nightclub called, I believe, Backstreet. I can't believe how long it's been. <clears throat> and Charlie Brown was the host, and Lily White was always one of the other queens. And they were hilariously funny, but when they lip-synced, I was bored as, as hell. Now, once Drag Race launched, and I saw what lip-syncing could be, when it involves reveals, when it involves tricks and splits and death drops and I mean what those queens are doing is is like really it's the dancing that mm -hmm. I'm more, that I'm impressed with but some of them lip sync so well that it's it, it, you're you're kind of buying into the emotion of it the passion of it so I do think it's an art but but all in all I'd rather hear someone sing live yeah it's definitely a different type of art form like I mean it's always the thing with like the the 90s pop stars as they came through that they the dancing and everything was so energetic that they couldn't sing at the same time so a lot of stuff who was being who was lip syncing along to their own tracks and things like that and and in drag, I, I just always found it a lot more engaging when they were singing live, especially at the Pride events and things like that. If you are in some sort of field or big open space, you need to hold on to that audience and you do it best by being a completely live performer. I just had this memory of when Sinead O'Connor first broke big with Nothing Compares to You, There was a, she was on the cover of Rolling Stone and they did like an in-depth story and interview about her. And they went with her, in, this, in the interview, they go with her to an Irish gay bar where there is a Sinead O'Connor impersonator, a drag queen who's bald, who sings live, nothing compares to you, and at the exact right moment, sheds one tear. 
<laughs> now that is a talent. That is a talent. That is something that's I would an pay old to Hollywood see. talent. Absolutely. Um, well, there's another story that's kind of related to all of this because it involves uh, the Vivian, who was one of the. I don't know if she, she won the whole she thing. Was the she won the whole thing. She won. She won the first series of UK Drag Race. Drag Race UK, and Ryan has mentioned her many times. He loves her. Well, she got caught up in a pronoun controversy involving boy jerk. Boy Chuck. Boy George. That was not on purpose. Boy George <clears throat> tweeted something um, earlier this week. This was uh, back on January 10th. He was talking to fans who identify as trans and gender, non-con- gender nonconforming, and he tweeted unprovoked, quote, leave your pronouns at the door. After a fan said his comments were ridiculous, Boy George responded, you must refer to me as Napoleon. And that's as ridiculous as it gets. I used the ladies' toilet throughout the 80s. He then called preferred pronouns, quote, a modern form of attention-seeking. These comments came as a shock to his fans because throughout his career, he's been praised for his androgynous image and, you know, really credited with paving the way for gender-bending performers and artists. Well, the Vivian responded to his tweet by saying this, and you know, in the in cancel culture, all you have to say is this, and you are canceled. So she received a huge backlash on Twitter, and uh, she, of course, had to backtrack and say she'd, quote, like everybody to respect and understand other people's pronouns. She's done nothing but fight for this for years. I apologize if anyone was offended. Oh, so she said this. I was expecting you to go into a clip. And she said this. No, she, she said literally wrote this. the word this. You know when you agree with someone yeah, yeah, on social this. media? Um, mm, I, I th- Wait, so she's agreeing with him? She's agreeing with Boy George. It's always the way of people who start him with the, oh, this has gone too far. Everyone's too sensitive. It's just that argument. It's like what you're saying is this doesn't affect you. And even if you're aware of it all around there and – Boy George may have gone into the ladies' rooms from the 80s, but he was going into the ladies' rooms in bars and clubs. He wasn't going into it in an office or a school. Well, he's and also, where, he's also and, not a trans woman. No, he, he, was, a, he, he was a gay he's man. A gay, he's a gay, gender male who happens to dress in, in sexually am, ambiguous clothing. Stomping into any space he wanted to because he was famous. A, a, fam- right. a celebrity. I, I agree with you completely. I do have a somewhat unpopular opinion about the intense focus on pronouns nowadays. I think it's important that everyone be called by the pronouns they prefer. And I do that to the best of my ability. If I mispronounce someone and they say, no, actually, I'm they, I say, I'm sorry. And I, I, I call them they from now on. That said, I do think it's become something of an obsession with certain people. And it seems to be the most important thing about them is their pronoun. You know, Ryan and I have talked about this former coworker of his who was basically female presenting, but went by they, them, theirs as is their right. And they never talk about anything else on Facebook about how they're, they're offended and tired and angry about people mispronouncing them. And I kind of want to say to them, no one is thinking about your pronouns except for you. You're not thinking about my pronouns. You're not thinking about me. We're all just trying to live our lives. And as important as it is to be properly identified, is this really what's going to uh, fix all of the problems facing the queer community? Is, th- is this the thing we should be fighting for above things like 
I don't know, job discrimination, bathroom discrimination, uh, um, people being allowed to to change their their sex on their birth certificate or their driver's license. Those to me are so much more important than if someone accidentally calls me she or her. And I get that I'm a white cisgender male. And just like you, you were saying, Simon, it doesn't affect me the way it affects a, a gender minority. But honestly, like, is it this important? Do we have to spend this much time on it? Well, I think also, you, I mean, you're picking up on somebody who you're seeing them vent their frustrations through a social media forum. And if, if that forum of Facebook and Twitter and things didn't exist, you wouldn't be hearing that noise. It's just because you're picking up on a thought process of theirs that gets shared more regularly through a certain forum. So a certain amount of that is like, how healthy is it to express everything on Facebook and to constantly vent your own frustrations in that way. Well, but you and I are in a course together or you were in a course with me where, where this is an issue that has been emphasized as well. And again, like I'm happy for it to be brought up. I'm happy for people to be properly identified. I just think we've got bigger fish to fry. Yes. Thank you for saying that. I was, I was just about to say, this seems like some, some little, some little issue that is, these seem like two people who just didn't get enough attention, and now they want attention. I do think some of it's like attention seeking. I do. I agree with this that. Is bullshit. It's, I mean, it's it's people creating content um, to feed the sort of social media beast as well. But I do think, even though I mean, this whole pronoun conversation is still very, very new, so new, it's very new, and you can feel a little saturated by it, especially as we're in a community where the conversation has started earlier, and organisations like the chorus have taken that on board sooner. Um, because there are people associated with the organization who are going through this. And I don't, it, doesn't, it doesn't bother me to be reminded of it because it's a different habit. It's something that I'm, I've learned over the last two years against the last, previous 36 years. It's a change of dialogue and it's a change of perception. And for people who it's that important to, they're the ones who are then going to allow the conversation and the the actual dialogue and the language we use to shift. So I'm going to play devil's advocate with myself for a moment. And I forgive me if I've already said this on the air before, but but I think it's an important thing to consider. When I was growing up, I'm the oldest person in this room. It was very important that everyone knew whether a woman was married or not. We had to know that so that we knew whether to call her miss or missus. Ms did not exist. The only person using Ms was Gloria Steinem and her staff at Ms. Magazine. The New York Times wouldn't use it. No major newspapers would use it because it was thought, how will we know whether a woman is married or not if we call her Ms.? In 2020, we see how ludicrous that is, right? What difference, what does it say about a woman when you're writing a story about her job or her cause or anything about her, unless you're writing about her marriage, why does it matter? I think that's where we're heading with pronouns and genders. I think in the next 50 years, if we're still around, um, you won't need to be identified as a man or a woman or a he or a she or a they, because really, what does that tell you about someone? It doesn't tell you their genitalia, because we know that there are women with penises and men with vaginas. It doesn't tell you what they care about, what they do for a living, uh, necessarily what they look like, what kind of clothes they... It doesn't tell you they, they're an awful person. It doesn't tell you whether they're an awful person or a great person. Why, why is gender... Person. When you think about it, gender is as arbitrary a distinction as miss and missus. And Simon, again, your thoughts. Again, something that, uh, that only affects women. 
it's a huge part of sort of misogyny well, and this because, affects everyone. Be, but no, because I mean, I'm, I'm going back to the, the the miss and misses because men are always just Mister. Of course. So men never have to worry about and, it. And in the same way, cisgender people are always just he or she. And you don't have to worry about That's it. quote unquote normal. And they don't have to worry about these issues. And I think if you look how slowly feminism has developed, I mean, really painfully slowly. Well, it keeps getting pushed back by people like exactly. Trump and Mike Pence. So you can understand people, transgender people, gender neutral people, people who using their preferred pronouns, they've got a hundred years of battle to get yes. before this is even normalizing. Right. And as you said, you know, three years ago, I didn't know anyone called they, not yeah. one person in my life. And now there are several that I know personally, let alone all the ones I read about and see on social media and so forth. So, and you don't even know how many people are still unpicking in their own mind that this is an option. I think my option for those people, my, my option, my opinion to the, for those people is just like, be patient and, um, fight for for things that are causing people to die right now. But I also you being called they is not killing anyone. I disagree with the idea that you shouldn't listen to this because we could focus on that. I think you can focus on all these things. I think so too, but I think we do have to pick our we do have to make priorities. Let's yeah. say, and if your priority is that everyone in the world call you by the proper pronoun, particularly when you're a they, I think maybe you're you need to rethink things. I disagree. All right. Agree to disagree. Um, last thing before we talk to our fabulous guest. Um, so this cr crossed my desk, as they say, this week. Some kid, and he is a kid. He just graduated college. His name's Brad Palumbo. He's this gay twink, and he wrote an editorial for the Washington Examiner, which is a right-wing rag. And the uh, headline was, DC's Degenerate Leather Weekend Annihilates Gay Progress. As you may know, Simon, uh, last weekend was uh, Mid-Atlantic Leather in Washington, DC, one of the largest, if not the largest, gathering of leather, leather men and leather people. Um, and, uh, you know, it's always a fun time, and there's people walking around DC in all sorts of costumes and states of dress and undress, and it's a very sexualized thing. Well, Palumbo writes, this past weekend, my boyfriend and I celebrated restaurant week in D.C. by going out to eat at a fancy Mexican joint. A slightly older gay man I know spent the weekend at home with his husband and their newly adopted infant. Across the country, untold millions of gay people such as us went about their normal lives without making any headlines in the process. Meanwhile, DC's degenerate gay community was busy celebrating Leather Weekend, giving all of us a bad name and annihilating what progress we've made. Homosexuals were wrongly maligned for centuries as perverts and deviants. Modern left-wing gay people seem determined to keep up the public displays of debauchery that keep this stereotype alive. Well, I think the Mattachine Society is still taking membership if he wants to join. That is um, exactly what I was going to say. I, Explain I, to people what that is so they know. The Mattachine Society was the sort of precursor. Before Stonewall, it was one of the societies that was really trying, trying in their own way to push a more positive gay agenda, but really by trying to heteronormalize everything. Right. Men, um, men were to wear 
jackets and ties. Women were to wear dresses and makeup. Yeah, you you should you should look like everybody else and then be as normal as possible. Um, it's it's one of those things where gay marriage is such a wonderful thing because it's so much equality. But on the the other hand of gay marriage, is it then makes you it heteronormalizes the relationships as well. It it limits the ideas that the conversations around polyamorous relationships around it kind of starts to erase bisexuality and things like that. And this is just another thing. This is people discovering what they like about themselves, their own kinks, their own interests and things like that. If you want to go to restaurant week, that's fine. Yeah. Enjoy whatever food you like. And food can be your own fetish. That's fine. Um, spending money and trying to look as important as everyone else can be. Gay adoption, brilliant, but that is not the whole conversation. Other people are trying to find what they like and an understanding of psychologically where those things come from can often only be discovered by experiencing those. So really he sounds like uh, uh, a boy who is trying to be a real life boy and probably just needs a good spanking. <laughs> he's just, I think he'd like that. He's a self-hating douchebag. I told him so on Facebook. He's getting so dragged on social media. It's hilarious. Well, just I mean, type yeah, in the, Brad Palumbo. But, there there, was, there but, was another one around in the last week or so about the very conservative young gay man who was really protesting about um, was it the the drag story hours in libraries and yes. things like that. And then he committed suicide. And it's that, that kind of self-loathing, incredibly sad, that that self-loathing becomes that. And this is the same type of thing. It's saying, but it's also saying, this is my gay experience and this is what everyone else's gay experience well, and this, should be This fight's been going on, as Simon mentioned, since Stonewall. And you know who actually changed things for us? It wasn't the Mattachine Society. It was the drag queens and the leather people and the, the trans people, it was the people living on the margins who were out in the streets fighting and resisting. That's what created the modern LGBTQ movement and all of our rights, not this shithead sitting in a restaurant with his husband. All right, we got to move on. We're going to skip the Pride update because we're running late. Simon, I was going to do our guest segment now, but JB just handed me a note that we have a surprise caller who has got to take precedence. Legendary actress and activist Jane Fonda has apparently been arrested again at another climate protest in Washington. And you know how they allow you to make one phone call from jail? She's making her one phone call to the ass. I can't even believe this. So joining us now from a jail phone, I guess, is Jane Fonda. Jane, are you there? Hello. Hello, Adam. Yes. Yes, hello. Good morning. Good morning, Jane. How are you? Are you okay? Well, I've been better. They just... You know, these son of a bitches have thrown me in jail again. They just keep throwing me in. It's crazy. I, I, you know, I admire your activism so much, but it must be hard at your age, you know, to keep getting thrown in jail. My age? I will thigh master a bitch's neck in this joint. Have you seen my <laughs> I mean, you do look fantastic, but you're, what are you, 80 years have old now? Seen, have you seen my workout videos? My shit's tight. Bitches come at me and I squat thrust them into the next cell. <laughs> Well, I mean, speaking of which, I know there are a lot, there's a lot of lesbian action that goes on in jail. Have any of the women there come on to you? Oh, please. They wouldn't dare. I'm Jane Fonda, goddammit. Hollywood royalty. Those lesbians even look at me sideways and I'll ram a Sherman tank up their ass. That's a reference to my G.I. Jane days. Yes, I got it. <laughs> you, you sound, but you sound kind of homophobic, Jane. I always thought that you were a proponent of LGBTQ rights. I love pussy. What are you implying? <laughs> in fact, you were in the vagina monologues and you said cunt on, on a morning news show. 
Absolutely. Cunt is my favorite word. <laughs> well, speak, <laughs> speaking of lesbians, I understand that Rosie O'Donnell was also arrested and is in jail with you. Can you put her on the yeah. phone? Yes, hold on. Hello, Adam? Adam, hello, what do you want? I got to go to the commissary. Rosie, what were you doing at the climate protest? Well, you know what I was doing, protesting that goddamn son of a bitch, no good Trump. <laughs> good for you. Are you happy that at least you're there with Jane Fonda? Or you do find her attractive? Of course. I'm in my right element. Jane Fonda is every lesbian's wet dream. Let me tell you something. I used to put on her lower body workout, and then I would give myself a lower body workout if you catch my grip. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you think now that the two of you are in a cell together that, you know, maybe something could happen? Oh, my God. It's salty, sweet snacks all day long, and the meals ain't bad either. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is... This is very weird, but I just read online that the ghost of Joan Rivers is also in jail with Jane Fonda and Rosie O'Donnell. Is it, can we speak to the ghost of Joan Rivers? Hold on a minute. Let me get her. Wait, who? It was George Media. Hello? Who, who's, who is this? I don't have time. Joan, it's Adam Sank. We met many years ago when you were on, uh, on the morning show on Fox News when I was a producer. Oh, my God. I don't remember. I don't care. <laughs> Joan, why, why are you in jail in Washington, D.C.? Let me tell you something. I was sitting in heaven in the middle of a bagel and schmear, and I woke up behind bars. I personally think that God wants me to break out and go to the Oscars red carpet. But instead, I'm stuck in here with Kathy Griffin and her red carpet. <laughs> <laughs> you know that Trump threw her in jail for that head stunt she did? Yes, I do. It was terrible. Catch up in a mask. Give me a break. I, know, I mean, you've said much worse about people, and, and you were never uh, punished the way Kathy Griffin was. I was never kind to anybody. So many horrible dresses on the red carpet. Oh, I wish I could make fun of that Mila Kunis. <laughs> Why Mila Kunis? Because she's the worst dressed on the red carpet all the time. Wow. Joan, what, how is heaven? What's going on up there? Oh, my God. It's amazing. Let me tell you something. The best thing about heaven is that you could just eat, 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 and you never gain. You just don't gain, and you don't care. It's wonderful. <laughs> All right, Joan. Well, great to talk to you and Rosie and Jane. Uh, I'd now like to speak to the woman behind all of these voices, master impressionist Rachel Butera. Hello. Hello, Rachel. I love you Ooh, so much. Applause. Yes, of course you get applause. Thank you so much for coming back to the ass. Uh, of course. How are you, baby? I'm good. I'm um, doing really well. New Year's off to a good start. Good. I, of course, heard yeah. you for the first time back in 2010 on the Howard Stern show. And it seems like you've maintained a very close relationship with that show. I have been lucky enough that they continue to want to work with me. They bring me back. They have me record stuff from L.A. They bring me in the studio. Uh, yeah, I've, I am very proud to be one of the women that is part of that show. And that changed your life, right? Because before you were, you were on the show for a, an impressionist contest, but before that you were just like a regular working stiff in New Jersey. Yeah. I was writing for, I was writing pharmaceutical copy for Medco marketing material in a cubicle in Franklin Lakes, New Jersey before that. And would you practice your voices while you were at work and annoy your coworkers? I didn't annoy them. I charmed them, Adam. They loved it. I would, uh, 
I'd go into my friend John's office and I would make fun of like everybody in the office, the managers or this, that, and then he would crack up and he'd be like, guys, come in here. Rachel's doing so-and-so. And it would just be like that all day long. Cause I could always do these voices and stuff, but I just didn't know. I didn't know there was a thing called entertainment that I was allowed to go into. So I didn't even bother. Well, but you must've known like who Rich Little was and, uh, and you know, you must've seen impressionists before. Yeah, I knew Rich Little. I, I loved him, and I loved Tracy Ullman, but it just didn't seem possible for me coming from where my family was and just, you know, bad, bad situation. So I just, it didn't, none of that seems possible at all. So when Howard had the contest, I was like, oh, this is like a shot to do something because there were guidelines laid out for me, you know? And the thing about being on his show, because he's he's literally got millions of <laughs> listeners, is that you can be on one time and be instantly... Not famous, but like certainly well known by a, a a huge number of people, right? Like your yeah. Did your social media followings explode? Yeah, I actually had somebody manning my face, but all my friends uh, were at my apartment while I went on the show. That was actually ten years ago this year, by the way, and in this, in September, yeah. all my friends were at my apartment. My friend Catherine was like manning the Facebook page because the requests were like coming in, coming in, coming in. So it just it all it went nuts overnight. When you are known for, for your voice and not for your face, does anyone ever recognize you? Does anyone ever stop you on the street in L.A. and say, oh, my God, you're Rachel Butera from The Howard Stern Show? It has happened. And let me tell you, it's friggin' weird. Because I guess there's some, there are a few clips of me winning the contest on there. And then, you know, I put myself out there so people will look you up. So there have been moments where people are like, oh, my God. It happened in New York. I was actually outside Howard's building the last time I was there. And some guy was walking by. I think he just stalks the building because he knows that's where they are. <laughs> right. Because he just happened to be there, and he and then he unfortunately for him he runs into only me, and I was just like, but he knew me. I'm like, okay, this is really weird. Have you have you gotten lots of strange like sexual propositions? Millions, millions of dick pics, millions of. Uh, well, I have my last name on my license plate, and one time I was driving down Ventura Boulevard in L.A., and somebody's blowing the horn at me, blowing the horn at me, he's like screaming. I look in my rearview mirror, and he's like, pull over. So then he pulls up next to me at the red light. He's like, I'm, I'm the guy from Twitter who, like, follows you, the Whack Pack guy. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, but, like, yeah, tons of dick pics. People are like, can you fuck me doing Rosie O'Donnell? Will you blow me at talking like Wanda Sy? I mean, you know, you name it. That's such a specific fetish. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know if they would have it if they never heard me do that. You know what I mean? I think I brought the fetish to life right. by doing it. <laughs> you you willed it into existence. Do you ever respond when someone sends you a dick pic? No, I mean I haven't gotten them in a really long time because my life has changed drastically in the last year and a half, as you know. But like they, they, I used to just ignore them, delete them, block them. Sometimes if the guy was really hot, I'd just be like, wow, that's pretty amazing. But I would never actually do anything. You know what I mean? Man, gay guys are so different from women. I know. I <laughs> long to be a gay man. God, I want to come back as a gay man in a, in a great city. You should. I, I beg for dick pics on this show every episode, and oh. I almost never get them. I'll send you mine. Please, just forward. You know what? Can you set up an automated thing where if a dick pic arrives in your inbox, it just automatically forwards to me? 
Oh my god, that's actually brilliant. I think <laughs> did I do that once or twice to you when I first was getting them? I might have. <laughs> it sounds vaguely familiar. <laughs> Uh, but yes, I'm always happy to see them and I will rate them and then you can send my rating back to the guy and say like, I sent this to my gay friend and he gave you a six. The gay connoisseur. That's right. Genius. The gay oh my God, that's genius. This is my new persona, the gay dick judge. <laughs> I wonder why I don't get dick pics anymore. They just, the dick pics have just leveled off. I haven't gotten them in years. Well, you went away, as you said, for a little while and I know you can't go into it, but you went through some shit involving social yeah. media. And I think I don't I don't get them because I'm not really on tw- I'm not on Twitter at all anymore. That's where the majority of the giant penises would come through. I <laughs> just burst through your Twitter account. Are you ever yeah. going to go back to Twitter now that things have kind of calmed down and and you're in a better I'm place? Not sure. I'm not sure because Twitter is really truly toxic. And even honestly, like a week before the shit went down, like I was like, I I need to get off here. I'm on it too much. It's toxic. I can see like. Any little thing I write, I'm getting all these vicious comments. And that was before the shit went down. So I was already thinking of getting off of it. And it is I feel like it is just a tool that is being used for so much evil, not only from Trump, but just regular people, that I might not go back. I, I hear you. I'm kind of addicted to it, and it's where I get most of my news from, unfortunately. Yeah. But I do, I mean, at least once a day, I'll tweet something at Trump like, you know, you're a fucking treacherous piece of shit, and I can't I wait till you're in prison. And what good does that do? That doesn't do anything what good, good for me. Do? It doesn't help no. my day. It doesn't, and it certainly doesn't, you know, make him suffer in any way. So it's just. It's a waste of time. Um, Rachel, in the time we have remaining, we're going to play Ask Me No Questions, but we're going to do it a little differently with you because you're going to answer these questions as Wanda Sykes. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. Hit it, JB. Ask me no questions. Ask me no questions. Yeah. Wanda. Yeah. Why are are so many famous comedians lesbians? I mean, it's not like women become famous comedians then become lesbians you gotta ask that question the other way around like why do lesbians become famous comedians and the answer simple we don't let no dicks get in our way (laughs) (laughs) and that automatically makes you funnier exactly when you ain't fighting dick you you can be funny as you want (laughs) (laughs) so that that's why i'm a failed comedian simon it's too much dick uh describe Give it up, and I and and I can be Wanda Sykes. Describe the best sexual experience of your life, Wanda. Ooh, uh, okay. This had to be a dessert I had in France with my wife because it was like creamy and soft, like a kitten paw, and like powdered sugar, and it was like light but delicious. Yeah, that's it, the best sex I ever had. This was an actual dessert. Oh, yeah, it's like a French thing. You know, I don't know. My wife knows. She eats it when we go there, and it's delicious. And does, did, it give, did it make you wet downstairs? It was like, it was like so orgasmic because, like, the cream was, like, light and fluffy, and then I, I, I felt it. I felt it in my twang, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Wanda, who's the sexiest woman in Hollywood, in your opinion, other than your wife, of course? Mm, uh, oh, the sexiest woman in Hollywood is Margot Kidder. No, no, no not, not Margot Kidder. Margot Robbie. Robbery. Margot <laughs> Robbery. Yeah, that, ooh, that's some grade A puss right there. <laughs> Margo, poor Margot Kidder Margot is no longer Robbery. with us. Ooh, she Australian too. I'll eat her eucalyptus all day long. <laughs> <laughs> she is very beautiful. I agree. I think I oh, might fuck Mar- Margot Robbery. Yeah. 
yeah. Okay, I'm going to give you an F, Mary kill. Oh, ooh, I love this. Okay. Here are your choices. Ellen DeGeneres, Rosie mm. O'Donnell, mm. Kate McKinnon. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, I'd F Kate McKinnon because she can do all them voices and she could pretend she muggle robbery. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I kill Rosie because she got too many kids. Yeah. That's a lot. You're welcome. Uh, and I'd uh, marry Ellen because she got all the money. I ain't stupid. <laughs> That's very, very smart. Good answer, Wanda. Um, We were talking earlier about how the the lack of dick in your life has made you successful. When is the last time you actually saw a penis? The last time Trump gave a speech. (laughs) That's true. He is a gigantic dick. You know it. You know it. But, Wanda, did you ever, I mean, you didn't come out for a very long time. Did you have any experience with, uh, with, with the male member? Back in Virginia when I grew up, we might have played a little like doctor, nurse or something like that. But it was never, not, there, was no, there was no penetration. Nothing ever entered, you know? Yeah, just not your thing. Not uh, my thing. Wanda, have you ever heard of this girl, Rachel Butera, who does impressions of you? What do you, th- what do you think of her? Yeah, I do. She was on America's Got Talent. And, you know, I used to follow her on Twitter and watch her videos till the trolls chased her off and ruined her life. She's amazing. Nobody does me like her to me. And she, and she's also very humble and modest, I find. Yeah, she like, she's so embarrassed. Like, when you compliment her, she don't even take it. She's like, no, I suck. But she's good. <laughs> Wanda Sykes, thank you so much for being on The Adam Sank Show. Thank it was you. wonderful to hear you. Rachel, yeah, baby. When you when you switch in and out of these voices, does what's the process? Do you have to change your face? Do you have to change your? How do you switch one? How yes, do you switch I take from your my face off and I put Rosie O'Donnell's face on? <laughs> I don't know. It's just it's very natural. It's so easy for me, and like it just is. It's 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 not even a thought. It's like breathing. You know what I mean? It's just switch back and forth. It's just so natural and normal. Is there anyone you've been asked to do that you just can't do? Oprah. Yeah, that's hard. Well, I mean, she, she has a very low voice. She's got a very low voice. Gail King and Stedman, her beard. But um, I, I can't really do it that well. And, you know, they always want the yelling, you know, the Adam which is a little bit easier, Yeah, that but- sounds like her. Yeah, that's a little bit easier. But when you get down to the nitty gritty, it's much harder. Do celebrities ever reach out to you and say, I heard you impersonating me and you sound great and you did a great job? Never. I mean, well, it's true that Wanda Sykes and Rosie O'Donnell both used to follow me on Twitter and Rosie used to like my videos of her. Uh, She would comment that they were funny and stuff, but uh, that's about it. That's kind of amazing, though. I know. I was so excited. And are people always asking you to record, you know, voice messages and outgoing messages and so forth as different celebrities? Yeah, it's really annoying. I hate when they do that. They're like, oh, can you call my cousin in, you know, wherever? Like, he's laying in bed and he loves you and he just wants to hear you. I'm like, don't make me perform. We're at a bar. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It's like it's like you're a toy that they just want to turn on and off. Yeah, I mean, I get it, but it's like, at some point, I I mean, I usually do it, but I, I really don't do it anymore. Like, I've created I've created boundaries now in the last few years. I so I really, really do it. That's really important. Congratulations. It is. 
All right. So yeah. you're back in Hollywood. You were in New Jersey for a while. Mm-hmm. What do you have coming up? What are you working on? Well, we just recorded a new cartoon for Snapchat, which is top secret because everything in Hollywood is on NDA, baby. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's coming out in April. It's really fun. I do a bunch of voices with James Adomian on that. Oh, and, I love him. Um, I know he's fucking brilliant. And uh, I'm going to be back on the Stern Show in April. And I think I'm doing stand-up at the Asbury Park Comedy, I mean, the Film and Music Festival sometime in April back in Jersey. Nice. Well, I'm thrilled that you're back in the game. I look forward to hearing your entire sad story on Howard when you tell it. But (laughs) I really am. You know, I root for you constantly, Rachel. I know you do. You're the best. Thank you. And, you know, I don't know if that will happen. It was a possibility the last time and it didn't happen. So, it might, but if it's, you know, I need to give him the exclusive. You understand, I'm sure. Yes, I do understand. So you're not on Twitter, but how can people follow you on Insta? I am on Instagram at Rachel A. Butera, and I still post videos and uh, impressions and stuff on there all the time. Thank you so much for being on. 